to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or you have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We are inviting guests to share personal stories, wrestle with questions, and rebuild bridges with those that may think differently, all in order to be reconciled with God, self, and others, as it is in heaven. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. back in the studio we're back recording <laughs> yeah i'm so excited it's, it's been a long time y'all <laughs> it has been a long time and we have missed you but we're so excited to be back with this new season we took a a kind of a longer break than we intended to but honestly what god did in that break was incredible we feel like we have so much more vision so much more passion and clarity for what communion is really all about and where we're headed. So we're so excited um, to share season two with you, or that's what we're calling it, right? T season two. Season two, yeah, um, I guess. Like, that's what they do, right? Official podcasters. I they guess have- so. I mean, I guess we're official. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but um, yes, we are so excited because season two is going to be all about stories. And that is really what communion is all about is the sharing of our stories because our stories matter and they influence, as we've said multiple times before, how we see others, how we see ourselves, and especially how we see God. And so season two is going to be incredible because you're going to get to hear a bunch of different people's stories, all who are unique, all who have such incredible perspective to bring to the table. And so hi-ho, away we go. We're super excited about this season. Um, and yeah, today our first guest I get to introduce, they're a very special person to me. Um, and that is my husband, John. So John Olinger is our first guest. Um, and John's bio says that he is a follower of Jesus who just celebrated 10 amazing, incredible, life-changing years with his wife, Erin, and who has three energetic, psycho, sometimes what make me want to pull out my hair, boys, but the loves of our life. And we live in St. Augustine, Florida. John lives in St. Augustine, Florida. I can't make this about me. Um, John <laughs> spent 10 years as a brand and digital marketing leader for Nike and Jordan Brand, including captain, captain, he was a captain of global marketing for Kobe Bryant. He reached a career inflection point. Man, he is wise in writing this bio. Um, he reached a career inflection point after the unexpected passing of his father, and he left Nike 
in 2022 um, to begin a new venture. And that new venture is becoming a strategic consultant and executive coach and keynote speaker. John uses his expertise in strategy and marketing and storytelling to empower organizations and individuals to get worthy wins. John plans to publish his first book in 2024. That's right. You heard it here first, folks. In 2024, this year, John's going to have a book out. So without further ado, let's welcome John Olinger. Hello, John. Yep. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for the amazing greeting and welcome. You're welcome. Hey, J-O. <laughs> that's, that's also his nickname. He's John Olinger to you guys, but J-O to us. <laughs> yes. All and I... Well. John was a part of, obviously, he's my husband, the original Supper Club. John and I are the ones who started Supper Club, which is how T and I met. And uh, John, we stole one right out of your book because with the way that we used to always start Supper Club was John really felt like it was important for us to have an icebreaker question every single time. And so we have one for you today. And that's how we'll start out every episode is with an icebreaker question. So something you know about my husband is, you know, some people like to say he's a bala, a shot kala, twenty age blades in the Impala, and then that's the end of that. So, John and we are a family of athletes, but John played hoops. They like to call it. That's called basketball. And so, John, my icebreaker question for you today is, John, tell us what was your most embarrassing moment. In a basketball game. Really? <laughs> really? Um, well, I'm sure there were many, but the one that probably feels most fitting to share is the time um, I was playing in my alumni basketball game at, uh, at Willamette University, University where I went. And um, I got a great steal. I got a breakaway. I thought it was a good time to dunk and uh, I just, you know, give the crowd a little show. And as I went to jump, my foot slipped and the ball didn't make it over the top of the rim. <laughs> so the crowd proceeded to laugh at me, <laughs> laugh, 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 including my wife, who seemed to be the one leading the charge from the stands. I'm not sure, uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but. It was it was a good laugh. It was definitely the most embarrassing. It was the only time I ever got rim checked, and um, I will not forget that moment. I said, "Bull." <laughs> hey, listen, he don't. Hey, he said, "White boy can jump, just not today." Uh- <laughs> True. That was the truth. No, seriously, okay. hilarious. And I love having a story on you about basketball, John, because. We have our own inside joke. We're not going to tell it here because this is your story. Uh, but I'm happy to have one right back at you. Uh, with that being said, every story, every book, every podcast has a title. And today, you know, we're here. Our mission is about reconciliation with God, self, and others. And this is really us wanting to hear your story of reconciliation. So if you had to give this podcast a title, what what would you call it? 
I think the best way to, to summarize my story and my journey would be difficult losses and worthy wins. Mm, that's good. That's really good. That's really good. That would definitely be a book that I'd want to pick up if it was a book. I don't know what you're planning on naming your book, but I'm so looking forward to that in 2024. You have to wait and find but out. It's definitely a podcast that I'd want to listen to. And so what's your story? We I think we'd love to hear it. Let's open up let's open up the book. What's your story? If I was if I was starting to think about my journey and like some of the significant moments within that journey, you know, the most significant one would probably start out around the time I was 10. Um, Aaron and I were actually talking about this the other day, but um, the, it was the moment that I was like driving to a track meet with my dad and um, out out of the blue, he, he just is sort of like, hey, you know, your mom is sick, right? And I was like, no, I didn't know she was sick. And he's like, you haven't heard us talking on the phone or anything? I was like, no. And, and he went on to tell me that she had breast cancer and that she was going to be starting chemotherapy and um, and losing her hair. And so that they she had had cancer for a while, but they hadn't told me and they sort of hit it as best they could. And it was coming to this point where um, they couldn't hide it any longer. And and in, in actuality, this was like the, the last sort of like Hail Mary in a sense to try to uh, kill the cancer in her body. And, and unfortunately... Um, you know, the next year she ended up uh, passing away from breast cancer and I was 11. And so when I think about my story on so many levels, uh, obviously lots of difficult levels um, and lots of like places that, I don't know, like reactions and, and the way that I am even today, you know, I'll, I'll go back and like, as I work through things with my counselor, like I keep tracing back things that I had no idea existed that go back to that moment in time. And as a, as a young boy figuring out life, trying to understand what was going on, how to make sense of a, like a, a innocence taken, you know, like where when you're 11, you don't really expect or understand that kind of thing. And so that was, that was a really pivotal moment in my, in my journey. I think when I, when I start to like move the, the needle forward in terms of other significant moments, you know, so I, I used a lot of like my fuel and my, my fire from, um, my mom's loss and like channeled that into, into basketball really. Like I was a runner before, uh, before that, but then when, and my mom was super involved in my running and when she ended up, when she passed away, I just like inherently like this little part of me died and I never went back to really enjoying running again. But instead I like poured all that into basketball and the, I mean, I it ended up okay. But like the reality was like, I was a, a basketball player trapped in a runner's body for the rest of my rest of my life. So uh, I made do with what I had, but it, it was, it was, it was an uphill, an uphill climb. But I, I like literally was going to the, the gym in our city, which was called the hoop. Like I was literally going there every day after school um, to play ball. So that was a huge part of my journey. Basketball became a huge part of my identity. Um, ended up, you know, played in high school, played in college. Um, when I was finishing up college, um, I had got my MBA and I was, I was about to have surgery. And my college coach had basically been like, hey, have you thought about still playing? And I, I didn't really know what he meant by that. Like, I mean, I'd finished 
playing in college. I didn't have any eligibility left. And he was, he was talking about going overseas and, and I had no idea how, how to get that started really. And so he, he offered to give me a little bit of money to go on a, a traveling tour with an organization called athletes in action and athletes in action. We, we would basically, uh, on this tour that I ultimately went on to Israel, um, during the day we'd travel around and see all the, all the historic biblical sites. And then at night we played, uh, we played like a round robin tournament in, in Bethlehem. So inside the West bank. So like two very, very different, uh, experiences, but a really, really impactful trip for me. Um, so much so that, that I had the, like, I had been a, like, so after my mom, my mom died, I was, I was really mad at God for a while and then ended up saying about a year after she passed, I said, okay, I want to be a, a Christian. Um, but I was really just like a, a good kid. Um, and so when I went to, when I went to Israel on this trip, that, that was like a life-changing moment for me. Um, getting to see the Bible come alive, hearing the stories, getting to walk the places Jesus walked. And, and ultimately we ended up going to the Jordan River and um, my coach that took us on the tour ended up baptizing me in the Jordan River. And, and I would say that that trip was really pivotal for me in terms of taking my, my faith from being something that I just thought about to something I was trying to live out. Like this story sticks out to me. Like when we were standing during that trip, we were standing on the, uh, at the Sea of Galilee and our coach is like, Hey, you know, this is, this is where Jesus invited the disciples to follow him. And the, the, the big takeaway was, was that those disciples couldn't say, Hey, Jesus, we're going to follow you. We'll just be right here at the, at the sea. We'll, we'll stay here, but you go ahead and go on. We'll follow you in order to actually follow Jesus. They had to literally follow him. And it, it sounds like such a simple concept, but for, for me, it was like this really uh, eye-opening moment of what faith is supposed to look like and the faith that I really believe that Jesus is, Jesus is inviting us into, which is living it out and following day by day, step by step. So that trip was really important. I went on, ended up playing a couple of years over in England after that, and then um, came back. I met Aaron. It was a setup. She didn't she didn't know it was a setup, but it was a setup. Um, I pursued her very intentionally, and uh, eventually she agreed to to go on a date with me. And uh, eventually, eventually, uh, but so we started dating, and, and things were going well for a while, and then we just ran into like a like a roadblock where we just couldn't move forward, and we tried to to work through it, and we just weren't seeing eye to eye and couldn't get on the same page and eventually like came to this place of deciding to break up and really with me saying hey i'm gonna i need to go to counseling and um i'd, I'd never been like i'd only been in one like one serious relationship prior to aaron and there was always just like this i don't know fear of commitment fear of moving forward i, I don't know exactly what it was but i knew that by that time, you know, I was, it was 16 years later since my mom passed away, 17 years later, and I just wasn't able to do it. And so I felt like I needed to just go process it with a, a counselor. And so um, my time going to counseling was really, really impactful for me in understanding my journey and understanding um, myself a lot better and also understanding Aaron better and think about what that um, dynamic was and why uh why we weren't able to move forward and so 
you know, eventually I went back to Aaron thinking maybe that we weren't going to get back together because of where we both were at in the journey. And it turned out like in the midst of me going to counseling and her praying and going on the journey, like God had done some things in both of us that ultimately um, came to the place of saying, all right, let's, let's give this another shot. And so um, we got back together. I made her wait way too long to, to get engaged um, and then got married, like I said, uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, so obviously that's a super impactful part of my journey and um, going to counseling and addressing some of my past wounds was a huge part of that. And then, you know, in the midst of all that, prior to us um, getting married, I ended up getting a job at Nike. I worked in a, a bunch of different roles uh, within that. But like social media, digital, brand marketing, got to work with athletes, got to work with products, got to work around things that I dreamed about working with. And um, was really grateful for for all that happened. 2020 came around um, and it was just like a really tough year for for everybody for lots of reasons. But it, it, in my at that time, I was sitting in a role where I was the global brand director for Kobe Bryant. And obviously there was the accident with him and, and his daughter and, and the other um, folks. It was a huge tragedy. And so going through that was really hard. Then COVID starting um, and then in Oregon that being shut down. And so uh, I'll say, you know, we, we got towards September and, and Aaron and I started to talk um, about the future. Nike was going through a reorg. So there was, there was just a bunch of uncertainty about the future. And we were had been trapped inside with our our three awesome and young and you know stir crazy boys and Aaron had asked me like hey have have you thought any more about moving east and we'd have this conversation I don't know once a year or so and I would always have a reason of like oh I'm working on this project or I'm working on this thing and all this stuff and it'd always be like let's talk about it later and on this this time I said you know I'm open to it and so we all, we talked about it. She said, well, what, what are you scared of leaving then if you're not scared of leaving Nike? And I said, well, I'm, I'm scared of leaving my dad, you know? So obviously my, my mom passed away when I was young and me being an only child, like my dad got remarried, which was great. And he had a companion and a partner. So that was awesome. So he wasn't alone, but I was his only kid and, and we lived about 45 minutes from him. And so I, I was scared. He would have totally supported us. He would have been like, great, go if you, if you, if you decide to go, but um, but I was, I was scared about that. I didn't want to leave him. And, um, and so we decided to to help us on the journey. We were going to invite God to, to join us on the journey. And so we said, we're going to pray for, for 40 days and see what happens in the midst of those 40 days. And so we, we start praying and, you know, five days in, um, I get a call super early one morning. Then it was my stepmom calling to tell me that my dad had had a really freak accident. And he had slipped in a parking lot, hit his head, and he was going to the hospital. And it's like, wow, okay. That's not really how we saw the the prayer journey going. Um, and so ultimately I said, okay, well, it's not how we saw it going, but let's let's keep praying and see what God's going to do in the midst of that. So we're, we're praying. My dad's still in the hospital. He's in and out of the ICU. It's it's not awesome. It's COVID also timing. So only one person could go see him a, a day. So my stepmom and I were alternating, going to see him. Just like a, a bunch of stuff. 
And then we get to um, to day forty of the of the forty days of praying, and and not thirty nine, not forty one, but day forty is the day that Nike says to me, "You still have a job," and um, and I was super grateful for that. But the job that I really wanted, it wasn't about a title; it was about a, a certain type of of work and and having more opportunity to pour into other people. Um, that wasn't the job that I was given. And, um, the, the reality was like five of my six bosses had been fired, you know, the previous month in one day. And so all the people who really knew what I wanted and really could advocate for me, um, weren't, weren't there. And so the job I got was great. I was grateful to have it, but it also was like sort of this, this freedom in some ways to say like, I guess we can be open to, to what happens from here. And so we talked, Aaron and I talked that night. And so, and she's, she was like, Hey, what do you feel like God said? And I said, I, I feel like God said, you can choose. I trust you. And, and she felt the same. And so we said, okay, well, let's, let's table the conversation about what we really do. Like it wasn't, it wasn't clear if my dad was going to fully recover or if he was going to be fully dependent or what was going to happen. And so we said, let's just see what happens with my dad. And unfortunately, um, over the next like 20 days, his body and his brain just could not get on the same page. And, um, eventually they came to us and said, you know, there's, there's nothing else we can do. And he was de- deteriorating and, um, so we ended up having to put him on hospice and, uh, and say goodbye. And so, um, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty crazy set of time. And, and so when the, um, when the dust settled from my dad's passing, you know, a couple of weeks after he passed away, uh, I told Aaron that I felt like we, um, I felt like we needed to, to move and be closer to our parents and that life was really short. And so, uh, we didn't know how much time we were going to get and they wanted to be in the mix with us and love our kids. And we were living a long ways away from them. And so, uh, we began that, that journey of figuring out what that would look like to go there. And I would say, you know, along the way, there, like God was sort of dropping breadcrumbs about leaving the corporate world. Uh, wasn't wasn't necessarily what I was looking for, but um, you know those those breadcrumbs ultimately sort of led me to where I'm at now in terms of a, a career place of being an entrepreneur and a coach and a speaker and figuring all that out. So that's my story. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. That is wow, wow. I've had the pleasure of being able to do life so closely and so intimately with you. And there's hearing your story. There's, you know, I remember walking through, especially the latter seasons with you. And there's so much in there. Uh, I don't think I even knew how much God was in the details. Um, but wow. Wow. You, you weren't lying when you say difficult losses difficult losses and knowing you and having been inspired by you and 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 constantly I'm inspired by you and the way you challenge me to walk and everything it means even more knowing this knowing your story um and how you push me to to live out worthy wins and so um I think you know when I listen to your story the thing that really stands out to me and perplexes me in so many ways 
is, you know, oftentimes grief, especially deep grief from losing a parent, will force us to become angry with, with God or turn away from God. And, you know, you talk about the beginning and entering a relationship with God and after your mom's passing and how you, you turn to God versus away from him when I feel like so many people would have run away. But then even more so, like after your dad's passing, like you entered 40 days of prayer and five days in five, your dad falls and has this tragic, tragic accident, not knowing where it was going to go. I didn't know you guys were praying at the time, but I remember the journey of, um, you know, what it, it wasn't getting better. The only thing I can think and what I'd love to hear from you is like, how? How did you remain? How did you stay? How did you continue to pray for those next 35 days? At a time like that, I would have been angry. I don't think I would want to talk to God. I probably would have been so mad at God. I don't know that I would want to turn to God and pray to God. And so, yeah, I guess like during those difficult losses, it seemed like you did what's probably opposite of what most would do in running to God. And so how? How did you turn to God? Why did you turn to God? How did you remain in those moments? It's mm, a good question. You know, I I think that my response to my dad's accident couldn't couldn't have happened if I hadn't walked the journey with my mom. And it like I remember people at the time I'd be talking about what's going on and and I'd be like I, I'm not trying to say it's easier. I'm just saying it's it's different when you've already lost one parent and when I lost that parent so young, like I said, like my, my life was so, so shaped by that moment, but, it, but also what I saw, the re the reason probably why, why my response was, was different was because when my mom passed away, I saw God's provision for me. I like, I, and it took time. Like I was like, I wasn't, I was mad. Obviously I was mad for a year. I didn't. And didn't fully understand but God had done this like crazy thing as as a kid where I got connected through Young Life so my my best friend's house hosted a group of Young Life high school dudes on Sunday nights high school guys I was in fourth grade and in fourth grade they started asking us as fourth graders to come to their their gathering and just be a part of it and treat us like one of them and so this there was this crazy beautiful community that was there to catch me. Like I, I vividly remember being in that group, praying, being crying. They're they're praying. I'm crying. You know, I'm by that point I'm in sixth grade, but the, I had this group of guys, amazing leaders, and you know, it was it was my middle school basketball coach was hosting it, and like he just invited us in and made it such a special special place. And like his name's Eric Schofield, and I, I asked him before, like, hey, why did you? invite me in to us, us in to come be a part of that group. And he didn't have a great reason other than like, he felt like it was the right thing to do, but it was such a provision for me to have a safe place to process what everything that had gone on with my mom. And so after I'd been through that and then finally had, had this realization, like God, um, God like understood the, the hurt that comes with death. Like Jesus went to the cross, you know, like, it was like it wasn't some beautiful story in the sense that it was all ups and no pain and none like 
and so obviously my mom and Jesus are not the same, but like I had this real revelation of like that I wasn't alone in the in the journey. And so as I think about how that shaped me in my life, I saw God like work amazing good out of um, the brokenness, the hard things, the hurtful things, the difficult things, the difficult losses, you know, and those difficult losses, like I believe like, well, I don't think like God wants my mom to die or my dad to die or people to die in tragedy or wars or things like that. Like, I do think that God wants to have us embrace them and that there's opportunity to make good out of those, those difficult losses. And so when my dad had his accident, that's, that's, I, I wasn't consciously saying that that's just like who I'd become over the years of realizing this is how it goes. And again, I I think back on that time, like, okay, well, hard stuff happens. Difficult losses happen. And does it suck that they happened to my mom and my dad? And yeah, hundred percent. But does that mean that I, that I don't trust God? No, I do. But the reality of the life that we live on this earth is one that's about difficult losses. That's good. And I know that to be true because I lived that story with you. And I can honestly say your faith in God never wavered. And sometimes I remember feeling like, man, John, you should. In fact, the other night I said this to you. I'm like, you sh- why don't you cry? Like, I'm sobbing about this. Like, this is so hard. And and you have just withstood the test of time by saying, like, I, I still believe in God's faithfulness and hard things are going to happen. And Honestly, that's been a gift to me in our relationship and in our marriage is like you're you just never see hard things as it meaning the end or it meaning that God's not still good. And I really appreciate that about you. Um, so, you know, John, my question for you is prior to meeting me and even while we were dating and in our in a relationship, it seemed as though you closed yourself off at times from allowing anybody too close or you just didn't want to get hurt um, with your mom passing away. You know, we talked a lot about this in, in our dating relationship. Like you didn't want anyone to ever leave you again. And so I think that you use that a little bit as a, as a block in letting people in. And now you know, with your, with your business, with when where it's worthy, you are doing the opposite. I mean, you have a business that's all about doing life intimately and vulnerably with others. And so my question for you is how do you foster that intimacy with others in their most vulnerable moments? Because my mom passed away so young, like I've always had like the, ever since then I've had this sense of like, life is serious and like you don't know how much time you have you don't know like so I've, I've always been like just fairly serious as a result of that and maybe serious is the wrong word but like I've just felt like oh man I don't want to I don't want to like waste my time on trivial things and I've always felt that way and I've tried to encourage my friends, but really like my dad, my dad's death was like this, like final push over the edge of like, 
realizing I was half his age when he when he passed away. And so, you know, that was this realization of like, if I am lucky enough to live as long as he did, then I'm halfway. I think everybody will eventually have that moment as they get older where they're like, oh, oh, the clock's ticking. But for me, combining my mom and my dad and that moment in time, it's like, oh, oh shoot, I don't, I don't have any time to waste. I don't have, um, I, I don't, I don't know how much time I have, honestly. And that, that was what led me to make this declaration that I want to win where it's worthy. And part of me for winning where it's worthy is, is with myself and with God, it's with you, it's with the boys, it's within my work, it's with my friends. And so I've really been on this journey since my dad passed away of realizing like, what am I like uniquely gifted at, passionate about, have experience with, and how's that like, how do I bring that to the world? And so when we're, when we're, it's worthy is an email list that I started with, you know, sending to friends, mostly because I just wanted to encourage them that life's really short and there's lots of things you can spend your time on, but not everything is worthy. Not everything actually matters. And I think the biggest problem that every single person in the world faces is that they're at risk of getting to the end of their lives and realizing they wanted things that didn't actually matter. And I know that, and I know that for myself. And but the, the more I go along, the more I realize we have we have all this noise and all these things telling us about what's important and what we spend our time on and what we should lean into. And we have our you know these phones that have anything and everything we could want we could want in theory, but ultimately are those the things that are most worthy? Like, and, and so my time at, my time at Nike actually like, it's crazy. Like just how the story all knits together because my number one takeaway, like when people ask like, Hey, what did you learn at Nike? My, my number one takeaway that I share every time is that winning is subjective. And so I had this realization, the only way to win is to clearly define what it means to win. And I want to win where it's worthy. And then this this realization of my life experience at Nike with realizing winning subjective. And so these two things come together then where I start writing this email um, almost every week, sometimes every other week to, to, these, to my friends, reflecting on what does it mean to actually win in the places that are most important, the places that are actually worthy. And so what I'm sharing through my business is this, this through line of both personally and in organizations, there's the same risk that you spend your limited time, resources, and attention on things that don't actually matter, whether that's your personal life or that's your, your organization. And so, um, you know, this is like a prime example of like a difficult losses, but these like difficult losses like have shaped the way that I think and giving me again, putting this like unique thing that only, not only I, but I have, a, I just have a very unique blending of all those things coming together to say, Hey, how do I want to serve the world and being authentic and vulnerable and being honest about the things that are hard is ultimately the thing that I think unlocks, um, opportunities to get worthy wins. And so that's really the goal. 
so so good i <clears throat> i love that because honestly i've gotten to watch even you and my husband walk that out and just the questions that you've asked us and you've challenged us especially as we're in these early parenthood years and I would say those sometimes are the hardest parts of marriage and we're mid-career trying to figure out all of these different lanes and answers to these questions. And it's like you, we have this little voice in the back of our head, this little jail that just sits <laughs> on our shoulder that's always like, was that going to make you win where it's worthy? And so it's kind of like this nice like filter when we are at this crossroads and we're, we're trying to make a decision and we, and we really don't know what to do. And so I love when you talked about, you know, winning subjective, but we have to define it for ourselves, which is so freaking true. So, you know, when I think about that clarity, though, that you talk about, like, you are really, really clear on who you are and what you are setting out to do currently, but you also had a lot of transition in your life from Hooper, basketball player, to corporate, to now entrepreneurship, author, speaker. And, you know, a lot of times when we have those major life transitions, a lot of what we can feel is this, um, the best I can say is like identity shifts, like these questions of like, oh my God, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? Am I qualified for this? Like, am I still walking according to my purpose? I feel I feel like those moments of transition really call us to question ourselves. And so how did you anchor yourself in those moments to like in your identity, knowing who you are, knowing what God has called you to be, especially when what you could see is a bit uncertain? I remember very distinctly wrestling with my identity um, right after I finished my MBA. So I had gone from successful high school basketball player to successful college basketball player to getting my MBA. Um, and then I was, I was scheduled to have surgery. And after, after I graduated that meant I couldn't get a job right away. Like nobody would hire me cause I was going to be, I, I was going to have my jaw wired shut for six weeks and everybody's like, Hey, come back and see us when you can talk and eat real foods again. Um, <laughs> and so I I was in this major reflection point. I wanted to do something meaningful. Like I, I, I there's this, it was a rainy day in, um, in April, right before I was about to graduate with my, with my MBA. And I was sitting in a coffee shop and I looked outside and I saw uh, this person begging for money as people walked by and, and ultimately like basically not showing this person any dignity, like no eye contact, no anything. Um, and so it made me realize that like, oh, maybe I could spend this time while I'm waiting for surgery, like volunteering, uh, with, with the folks who don't have homes in the, in the city that I was living in. And so that, that started this journey, but I, you know, I'd come off of all these, like what people would have viewed as as worthy wins, right? Or that I viewed as worthy wins and the success in basketball and school and all the stuff. And then I was stepping into this place of not only do I not have a job, I'm hanging out at the Union Gospel Mission and with people that don't have homes and hanging, serving meals underneath bridges, um, which again, to the world, they're like, what are you doing? 
you just you just got your MBA. You just you had all this success. And and at the same time, on the inside, I'm wrestling with what am I doing? Who am I? What am I gonna be? And I, like there there was a, a conversation I had with a friend in the midst of all that where I realized that I had to come to I had to come to accept if I wanted to live differently, that I had to realize who I am is not what I do. <laughs> and, you know, that's a, that's a process. That's a journey. Like we, we get so much, I, I had gotten so much identity from basketball and success um, as it was viewed by others that like, it was really hard. I found myself in that summer, always trying to justify myself to, Oh, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to do this, or I'm doing like trying to make myself sound like something. And, but, but that wrestling with that and hanging out with people who were literally viewed by society as, as less than, as, as unworthy, you know, that whole thing was a part of molding me and shaping me and thinking about identity where it, do, it doesn't mean that, you know, as I went on to play basketball overseas or work at Nike, it doesn't mean that there, there weren't still times where my identity was my work, but I was, I was constantly had that voice in the back of my head that who I am is not what I do. My my success in life, my standing with God, like none of those things are dependent on what I do. Who I am is that I'm, I'm a child of God, just like everybody else. And if I can accept that I am worthy as I am, whether I have the most success or whether I don't have any, then it allows me to enter into these transition periods and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to enter in and take the transition. I said no to a job here in Florida. It was a great job, but it would have meant that I had to commute two hours each way, three days a week. That that was like this moment in time where it was like, we didn't move. We didn't move to Florida so that I could commute six hours a week and do all that. That wasn't the life that we wanted to live. And, and so when I turned down the job, this realization of like, oh, okay, well, I guess God's been dropping these breadcrumbs around consulting there. And if I want to win where it's worthy, then I'm going to have to step out in that transition and leave some of the safety of the, the corporate world and, and whatnot that I'd had before. And then trusting the process as I enter into these places. And now it's like, oh, I have a picture for what that is. But it's because my identity doesn't need to be in anything other than what I feel like God has uniquely gifted, experienced, and made me passionate about. Mm. Good. So good. So, so good. Yeah. Mm. So good. Well, thank you, John, for sharing your story with us. It is really nice to meet you, but um, maybe you want to go on a date sometime. No. Uh, but at the end of each of our episodes, because we are trying to keep these episodes a little bit shorter for you guys who have been so faithful and have listened, um, we have some rapid fire questions that are we want to ask every guest. And, um, you know, this podcast is all about reconciliation. That is that is what this community is all about, is reconciliation. And so, John, how would you define in one sentence, how would you define reconciliation? I would define reconciliation as the remaking of the brokenness in our lives. That's good. It's for the end. That's good. Webster's <laughs> Dictionary. You heard it here first. Maybe you need to change your definition. Uh, 
Okay, so then if reconciliation is the remaking of something that was once broken or is broken, then who or what are you still wrestling with when it comes to reconciliation? They all are connected. Reconciliation with God, reconciliation with self, and reconciliation with others, they're all, they're all connected. And so for me, I'm, I'm still talking with my counselor and, and reconciling the place that I was at as a 11-year-old boy who was, you know, protecting himself from getting hurt. And so I'm still, I'm still reconciling how that plays out in my life when I'm in, in everything and how I treat people and in ways that I'm scared, like that, that's, that's a lifelong journey. And then, you know, when you step into more trauma and more hurt, like those things become more vulnerable. And so the reconciling I'm doing is reconciling how I deal with what previously was broken in those ways to be more healthy with it going forward. And that's a journey. Reconciliation really is a journey. Like it doesn't just happen overnight. And I think that's the the thing. Like there's going to continue to be brokenness and reconciliation all throughout our journey. So I love that. I love that. So to close it out, quick fire. What do you think the Lord wants you to receive in your life right now? I think the Lord wants me to receive and be reminded what he's been telling me since I was 11 years old was that I can trust him even in the midst of the really difficult losses. So good. And then what do you think the Lord wants you to release? Fear. So we have all the stuff we talked about today and still there's times where I'm scared and I don't necessarily trust God in the midst of that. And so I think God's telling me I don't need to be afraid. That little fear, that little thing called fear, telling you. Um, That's good. Well, you kind of answered my third one because you said, you already said what you need God to remind you of. So I don't know if you have anything else, but that was going to be my last question for you is what do you need to be reminded of? (laughs) No, I'm grateful for y'all. Thank you for your perseverance to make it happen. People that are watching this, listening, they have no idea all the tech challenges to make it happen today, but um, I'm grateful for you guys, obviously, and I'm big believers in what you're doing and believe in there's lots of reconciliation to come as a result of this. So um, thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks for being such a great first guest of ours, John Olinger. And uh, <laughs> we want to support you too. I mean, you're supporting communion and we want to support you and what you're doing with Worthy Wins. So my last question is, hey, where can people learn more about Worthy Wins? How can they subscribe to your newsletter and learn more about what you're doing? Worthywins.co will be live and running by the time you guys are listening and watching. So come on over, check it out. And uh, yeah, look forward to encouraging everybody as they try to win where it's worthy. Uh, thank you, J.O. Thank you, J.O. You have been such an awesome guest for us. Your story inspires us every day. Just thank you. I can't wait for more people to be experience, to experience what we are able to intimately walk with and experience through Worthy Wins. So sign up for the newsletter. Be on the lookout for that book. Give my man a follow. 
but yeah, just thank you, JL. Thank you, seriously. So great thank to have you. And on yeah. that yeah. note, let the reconciliation begin. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episode? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, com-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at com.union. Rather watch our podcast, then subscribe to our YouTube channel at com underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.